Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here at uh, nearly 2 a.m. I'm going to try and put together some coherent thoughts from tonight's game. It sees the Bucks go down two to Lakers, 113-103. And I've been scrolling through Twitter in the aftermath of this game. I've just seen uh, Mike Budenholzer speak, also Giannis. And, and I, I certainly understand that there's going to be some reactions and maybe some overreactions to this loss. For the Bucks, it's typically the way things go, particularly when you are uh, watching and, and talking about a team that's only lost 10 games for the season. But you guys know me. There's going to be no overreaction from me. But what I am going to try and do is talk through some of the things you might want to look at from this game, from a Bucks perspective. What do you want to take moving forward? And ultimately, what do you really take from the Bucks last week? Because as far as their dominant season has gone, they've, they've hit a bit of a rough patch. Uh, I think that that... It is certainly fair to say they go down 113-103 in this one on a night where it was really Giannis or nothing. And we're going to start right there with Giannis in this one because this is really now the main talking point from this game. Giannis finishes the night with 32 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists. 12 of those points came in the fourth quarter. Uh, he was just 1 for 6 from 3. And we spoke a little bit about a little bit about this with Nate Duncan the other day when we were talking about some of the things that you can expect to carry over from the last time these two teams played when the Bucks won. And one of those things that you were probably not going to rely on was Giannis sitting 5-3. So he goes one for six from deep uh, today. But uh, other than that, a really strong performance. Gets to the free throw line, takes 14 free throws, hit his first 10. But that's where probably as big a scare as you could have if you're a Bucks fan came to fruition and we saw Giannis go down holding his knee. He landed really, really awkwardly and, and twisted his knee. Not at a good angle. And, and it's probably not something you want to go back and watch, but he was driving to the basket. He was fouled. And as he was up, he came down and landed on, uh, again, I haven't really watched this replay because I don't really want to watch it, but I believe it was Avery Bradley came down and uh, he was in a, in significant pain. And you could see him down holding that, uh, knee and eventually he got up and limped away the Bucks called time out and he got a little chance to to have a bit of a breather and then he came back out shot the the free throws missed them both uh, ironically after hitting his first 10 maybe he was a little distracted by everything that just happened and uh, he played out the game now I'm seeing a lot of reaction and and, and People suggesting that maybe it was irresponsible for Giannis to go back on the court. And I, I certainly appreciate that that could be a take that you could have. The Bucks were down a decent amount at the time and probably unlikely to win the game. But regardless, when we talk about what this game ultimately meant in terms of winning and losing, Giannis' health is number one. And that has to be the priority over maybe coming back for a miracle comeback in this game. Uh, Mike Budenholzer was speaking after the game and he said that uh, the medical staff 
through that timeout, had a chance to assess Giannis, speak to Giannis, and they made the decision that he was okay and he went went back out to play. Now, my my one thing that I would be quick to point out, particularly with something like a knee, there is very real tests and very quick tests that you can do to check the stability of the knee. And there's no question that that would have been done during that timeout where they have three plus minutes to get that done. Now, you can certainly argue that should they have just thrown in the towel and ruled him out regardless and say, okay, well, that's a scare we don't need to see. That's not put you in that position to, to do uh, any further damage or be out there and hurt yourself again. And again, I, I totally appreciate that. But I, I do want to stress that the with Giannis and the importance that he has to this team, I am very, very comfortable with the fact that they would not have put him out there if his knee was unstable or there was any chance that there was there was real damage there. Now, my guess would be that Giannis is going to get some testing done to make sure that there isn't any, uh, say, hidden damage with that knee, which is you know something that could possibly happen, and that's terrifying to think about. There's no question about that. But uh, I would say with the Bucks with a back-to-back on Sunday, uh, they start that in Phoenix. Then Monday, they'll head to Denver. Giannis was limping after the game. That's certainly the reports we were there. I, I, I'm not in LA, so I, I can't give you guys uh, my direct thoughts or, or vision for what I saw in the locker room like usual. But he apparently, uh, according to uh, our friend, Matt Velasquez, he, he put a bandage or, or a wrap on his knee and was limping. We did see a video just gone up on the Bucks Instagram. He was out in the hallway joking and smiling and laughing with uh, Boxer. Ryan Garcia, and he seemed in good spirits, which is, you know, whatever. He would have been assessed again by the medical staff, so the fact that uh, he was walking out under his own steam, no crutches, nothing like that, no support needed for the leg outside of a bandage, uh, I think that that is a positive. But again, we'll just cross our fingers, hold our breath, and hope tomorrow that everything's clear. And, And even if he does miss the game on Sunday or Monday, fine. You know, if he's a little bit sore, like I just said, Absolutely no need to risk this guy. But uh, that was a, a incredibly scary moment. And I've always said this. I've always said this with Giannis. I, I'm, I'm shocked that this doesn't happen more often, that he just comes down on someone. We know that he's had troubles with his ankle before in the past. He's rolled his ankle on multiple occasions. In similar situations here, I mean, he takes such long strides. He goes to the basket with such force. There's so much contact every time he goes to the rim that this is uh, always has to be a, a fear or a concern that, that this is going to happen. So, uh, again, we'll wait and see, and we won't speculate any further to see what happens here with Giannis, but there's certainly the, positive, uh, the signs are positive coming out of the locker room tonight. Regardless, again, if he misses a game or two, I could not give a shit. Could not give one shit if he misses one or two games. Let's just make sure that this guy's right uh, for the long term and, and, and for the run to the playoffs. This is why the Bucs have got that, that huge lead that they've got at the top of the East. And this is why I've always said that I don't give a stuff about winning 70 games. Could not care less. Don't care about 70. It's all about the playoffs for this team. And overall, Giannis was incredible tonight. Defended by Anthony Davis in the first half. Davis got in a little bit of foul trouble and then LeBron took the job and defended Giannis, but uh, like I said, 32 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists, 12 points in the fourth quarter. Giannis was incredible, and it was a physical, tough game. He also received three stitches to his lip after the game, after an early 
blow that he took on a, on a drive to the basket. So, so this is a game where Giannis walks away feeling pretty sore and sorry. <laughs> and if anything, that's playoff basketball. I've mentioned a lot through the course of the last month or two that I would have some minor concerns that Giannis' minutes have been so low that is he going to be able to ramp that up against these good teams that he's going to need to do during the playoffs? Now, he's in incredible condition and one of the best athletes you'll see in the game today. But I did think in the fourth quarter tonight that we saw that he was a little bit fatigued. He plays 35 minutes, 30 seconds on the night. But for a lot of that game, he was defending LeBron James. And like I said, on the other end, he was defended by LeBron. And this was just a really, really physical game. There was a lot of contact. There was a lot of bumping. There was a lot of uh, running into each other and hitting the floor. Nothing came easy. This was not an easy 32 points for Giannis. Sometimes it is. Tonight was definitely not one of those nights. But at the end of the day, while the Bucks take the loss, just keep this in mind, guys. Last year, the Bucks beat the Toronto Raptors three times. And at the end of the day, you get to the playoffs, and if these two teams are going to see each other again, it's going to be in June. It's going to be game one of the NBA Finals. And this game tonight, and that game early in December where the Bucks won, count for nothing. You just want to get through the rest of the regular season with good health. You want to make sure the team is in the, in the best shape possible to contend for a title. We saw some great stuff tonight, particularly from Giannis, from Dante, I want to talk about in a little bit. And we also saw some things that uh, maybe you'd be a bit concerned about. But ultimately, no matter what anyone else says in the media, we go through this all the time. The Bucks losing this game tonight will not count for anything. Right, so certainly noteworthy for the Bucks tonight, and this is something we've spoke a little bit about over the last week or two. The Bucks are in an offensive slump. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Tonight, they come up against a, an elite defense. Lakers top three defense in the league. We know the Bucks are number one, but Milwaukee go just 41.6% from the field, 37 for 89. And from three-point line, it was a disaster. 12 for 43, just 27.9%. They've been well under 30% now for their last four games. It's been a real struggle. And 103 points. We know two out of those last four games, they haven't been able to crack 100. Tonight, they only just get there in the last minute of the game. The Bucs are struggling offensively. When you needed guys to stand up tonight, Chris Milton had a really poor game. He was bad. 12 points. 5 for 19 from the field, 2 for 10 from 3. Eric Bledsoe, just 11 points, 5 for 13 from the field, 0 for 3 from 3. Five turnovers for for Eric Bledsoe. He spent a lot of this game, it felt like he was out of control, and we've, we've seen this before with him, that if he has a bad night, it can get pretty ugly. I will give him some credit. In the fourth quarter, he was able to have a couple of really positive, aggressive drives to the basket and score on a night where nothing had really gone right for him. But for the Bucs to beat the team, a team like the LA Lakers, those are two guys that you just need to have good nights. I mean, there's no way around that. The Bucs are known for their depth, and we always talk about how deep this team is and how many contributors they have. But those are two guys that you just need to get going. And Chris Milton, for me, I understand why 
the critics are going to come out and say, well, this is a big game and he didn't stand up. But <laughs> Chris Milton, you can count the amount of bad games that he's had. The Bucks are now 53 and 10. So out of the 63 games, you can count the amount of poor nights he's had on one hand. This guy has been incredible. It's unfortunate that this week has been a, a rough night for him. He was poor against Miami, poor in another loss tonight against the Lakers. But that's, that shouldn't surprise anyone. If Chris Melton plays bad, it's tough for this Bucks team to win. Now, I know as your, as your number two guy, he's someone that, that the fans want to come out and shoot that 50-40-90 every single night and, and, and get you that 20-plus points every single night. The remarkable thing with Chris Milton this season is the fact that he hasn't had nights off. This is a guy that in the past has been a little bit streaky and he's gone through stretches where he's struggled. That hasn't been the case this season. He's been great. And I do just wonder, this is something that Frank uh, mentions and he doesn't feel good about mentioning this, but Chris Milton was in such a good rhythm. He misses those two games with the neck. Since then, he was, he was pretty good against the Pacers, but that was a pretty... Uh, low leverage game. The Bucks were were pretty much in control for the most of that night, uh, bar a, a bit of a rough second quarter. But these other two games have been high intensity. Chris Milton's come in after missing a couple of games. And it seems like he's just a little bit out of rhythm. The interesting thing with Milton, I, I've always thought before, and we, we've seen this with him, that sometimes when he looks fatigued, he misses a lot of his shots short. It hasn't been the case in either the Miami game or this game tonight of the Lakers. A lot of his shots were just a little bit long. And, and he had a couple of shots that, that rimmed out. I mean, they were halfway down on three or four occasions. It was just one of those nights for him. But when he hit a three early in the fourth quarter and the Bucks are really still trying to make a push and trying to hang in there and get back in this game, you were hoping that that was going to be the trigger for him to really get rolling. In the end, that, that wasn't the case. And this is just a night that, that Middleton's going to uh, look to forget but this Bucks team can't afford to shoot below 30% you guys know the numbers read them out a couple of nights ago they've obviously changed a little bit now but, but, but prior to this loss they're around 38% from three in wins and around 30% in losses this is why this is still the big concern for me about this team is not so much the three point defense but it's the Bucs three-point shooting themselves. They've got so many capable shooters. They don't have a bunch of absolute dead-eye knockdown guys. They just don't. They've got a, a bunch of pretty good shooters that help space the floor. But if everyone goes cold at once, which you would hope would not happen, but it's certainly been the case over these last four games. So uh, some of these guys, obviously Middleton, yeah, I mean, he's shooting 43% on the season. It's been very rare for him. But when Middleton's down, Eric Bledsoe in particular, so the guy that I mentioned the other night, his shooting goes from 37% down to 20% in wins and losses. He was 0 for 3 tonight. Giannis, 35% down to 10% in wins and losses. He was 1 for 6 tonight. Those two guys are a barometer when they're shooting the ball. They shoot the ball well, the Bucks don't lose. So again, this was another night where Milwaukee aren't able to get the three ball going. And, uh, and it hurt them. It cost them. And that's something... That's going to be something that we're going to continue to watch as we get closer to the playoffs and hope that these guys start to get into a bit of a rhythm. Obviously, no George Hill again tonight was, was a big factor. He's been such a security blanket when Bledsoe is having these nights where he's not playing well. But it's like, okay, George Hill, shooting 50% from three in the season, such a calming present. 
calming presence, a guy that, that really doesn't make mistakes and you just feel super comfortable when the ball is in his hand, uh, not to mention what he brings defensively. He wasn't there tonight still after that uh, just ridiculous play from Goran Dragic in, in the Miami game. Unfortunately, now Hill has missed two games and, and that gives you an indication uh, of how serious that, that incident was. It was a bad play. It was not a basketball play, and that's cost George Hill two games. And again, when you talk about the rhythm Chris Middleton's been in, you just hope that George Hill comes back and is able to get right back into the swing of things because he's become such a vital player for this team. And the other guy, Kyle Corver, does come back. He hasn't played for such a long time. It was going to be hard to expect him to, to walk straight into this team and find a rhythm after missing uh, over a month of basketball. He plays 12 minutes. He's one for three. All three-point attempts there. Finishes with just three points. Defensively, looked a little bit slow at times. Looked like the Lakers were able to take advantage of him a little bit. So you hope to see Kyle Korver uh, come in and find a, a bit of a rhythm moving forward. But overall, uh, we just really want to see this Bucks team break out of this slump now. As I said, four games, it's it's gone. The Bucks two and two over that stretch, which is very unlike this year's Milwaukee Bucks, but... When you're shooting around 26, 27% from three over a, a consistent run of games, it's going to be difficult to win in, in today's NBA, even though we've seen that the Bucks' defense has still been able to keep them in games. Ultimately, they haven't been able to make the shots to get them over the top in the fourth quarter, and that's what's come back and hurt. Well, I mentioned this game was physical right off the top, and it certainly was. Uh, I mean, this, again, similar to the Miami game, was played with a physicality that was playoff intensity. Now, the big difference from the Miami game to this one is, in Miami, the, the officials refused to blow the whistle. In this one, they wanted to blow the whistle for absolutely everything. And before I get into the free throw disparity, I, I do want to say that I thought there was a bunch of calls that the Bucks got that were ridiculous. I thought that the poor calls went both ways. Now, were they poor calls 50-50? Probably not. Probably not. And you're going to see that as I go through some of these numbers. I think the Lakers, you could probably uh, feel pretty confident in saying got the, the rub of the green when it's all said and done. But overall, I just thought this was a really poorly officiated game. I, I thought that they were too quick to get involved. They were too, click, too quick to blow the whistle. And it really affected the game. The big stretch for mine was early in the third quarter. Remember, this game goes in all tied at 48 at the half. And then the Bucks are in the penalty with 8 minutes and 38 seconds left in the third quarter. And, and there was multiple fouls there that seemed extremely touchy given the way that this game was being played, it just seemed like the officials was too much of a factor. And from that point on, the Lakers were able to live at the line. When you look at the free throws that taken uh, for each team, the Bucks go 17 for 23 from the free throw line and the Lakers 31 for 38. So the Bucks end up minus 15 in free throw attempts and minus 14 in free throws made in a game that they lose by 10 points. Now, it's going to be very difficult to overcome a team like the Los Angeles Lakers when you are minus 14 in free throw makes in the game. Almost impossible. And then you want to throw in the fact that the Bucks shot 27% from three on top of that, you're just not going to win that game. And that type of disparity would normally result in a blowout win, but 
Well, as, as much as we talk about the, the Bucks struggles from three, the Lakers go just six for 32, 18.8%. So uh, if the Lakers hit some of their threes, then this is a night that, that the Bucks probably really, really, really want to erase from their memory. LeBron James and Anthony Davis go one for 11 combined from three. Uh, it, there was some poor shooting out there tonight. But back to the free throws. Anthony Davis is clearly an incredible basketball player. And offensively, he's just such a tough matchup. And, and the scary thing about Davis is that the Bucs can put Wesley Matthews on LeBron. And, and, and look, I thought in the first half, again, Wesley Matthews had some good defensive possessions. At times, you could almost argue that he defended LeBron maybe better than Giannis did on some possessions, as ridiculous as that is to say. But Davis, if you're going to play Wesley Matthews on LeBron, then Giannis is really the only matchup for Anthony Davis. And that's scary. Because this is a guy that can get to the free throw line a lot. He had 17 attempts against the Bucs at Fiserv Forum back in December. Tonight, he has another 11. LeBron has 15. So between them, the two of them have 26 attempts from, from the free throw line. And again, like I've said, that is just going to be too much to overcome for the team. Bud was not happy after the game when he was talking about uh, the amount that they got to the free throw line and the way the Bucs defended him. Giannis in particular at times I thought was too handsy. And you have to understand with the way the game's being officiated, what you can and can't do. And I thought he was just a little bit too physical, a little bit too aggressive, which made the job of the officials too easy to blow the whistle. And they're going to do that for a player of Anthony Davis's caliber and LeBron James' caliber. They don't need any excuse to blow the whistle. And we saw tonight uh, that they were more than happy to do that and get involved. And, and it was unfortunate. But this is something you're going to have to prepare for. If you come into a series against this team in the playoffs, you can't be giving the, the officials an excuse to blow the whistle. You just cannot. Because they're going to do it. And it's going to hurt you and it's going to cost you games. So while we talk about the Bucks' offensive struggles in this one, uh, I, I thought through the fourth quarter, we saw some positive signs on a night that you probably don't take too many away offensively. I already mentioned Eric Bledsoe. I thought his ability to, to try and get to the basket and score late in the game was a real positive. And again, you have to take these little wins with, with Bledsoe on poor nights, his ability to say, okay, this hasn't been a good night for me, but still get something going late in the game when the Bucs were trying to make a rally is something that you have to take something from. The other thing that was interesting was we saw a lot of two-man action between Chris Middleton and Giannis that resulted in some some points on the board and some really good shot attempts for Milwaukee. It's been sort of a fallback move for the Bucs when things get gummed up a little bit and the Bucs are struggling to score. Bud's like, all right, let's get, let's get my two best players in the pick and roll and see what they can produce through the season. It's been a money shot for Chris Middleton to, to walk into a mid-ranger when all the attention is on LeBron, uh, on Giannis. Sorry, I should say Giannis. It's not LeBron. As the role man, and Middleton can sort of get that open look. This time it was more him finding Giannis roll into the basket. But again, you know, on a night that, that things weren't working well for Chris Middleton, it was good to see them free things up a little bit. And for a second there, you know, if a shot falls here or there, you know, you think that the Bucks are a real shot to somehow make this game really, really tight. They got back to within four points a couple of times, but even had a chance to get closer than that uh, on a night where, again, it felt like they should have been getting blown out. And the other overwhelming positive from this game, I mean, I feel like I've been talking about all the negatives so far uh, on this podcast, but Dante DiVincenzo. I mean, we did the Dante Appreciation Podcast now two weeks ago. He hasn't had a bad game since. 
that's not me taking credit for it, but it's just like every podcast now feels like it's a Dante appreciation podcast. He was incredible today in the third quarter. I think he had 12 points uh, overall on the night. He finishes, finishes with 17 points off the bench in 24 minutes, seven of 13 from the field. He was getting those shots up three for seven from three. And again, particularly during that third quarter, this is a quarter where the Bucs got outscored 39 to 28. DiVincenzo was the one that kept the Bucs afloat and kept them even slightly within touching distance heading into the fourth. He was incredible. He was finishing at the basket. He was finishing tough reverse layups. He was shooting the threes when, the, when no one else could make them for the Bucs. Uh, this guy just continues to grow in confidence as a guy that's attacking the basket. He continues to grow in confidence as a guy that's shooting the three from the outside. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo has become uh, just an incredibly important player for this team now. I will say if you're relying on him as your number two scorer in a game, that's a huge concern at this point in his career. He's still a guy that's improving. He's got a lot, a lot of growth left in his game, but there's no doubt. Uh, I would not want to see the Bucks play the Lakers again where uh, DiVincenzo is the, the main, a major, major factor offensively for the Bucks. But credit where credit's due. Again, under the bright lights, I've spoken about this all season. He's a guy that I just trust. He's done it on the big stage before. For a guy his age, it doesn't get much bigger than doing it in a national championship game. We know he went absolutely off in that one. And again, he just continues to show the traits of a guy that enjoys the moment and enjoys the pressure and enjoys the bright lights. And that, for a team that's going to be looking for X factors, going to be looking for a guy to bring something off the bench, uh, Dante DiVincenzo. I mean, this is, this is becoming a, a, a real story this season and a fun one to watch. I'm loving what I'm seeing from Dante. Uh, just another fantastic game for him. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna really break out here soon, I believe. He's yet to reach twenty points in a game in his NBA career, but I don't think it's too far away. This is this guy is just playing too well, and uh, on a, on a rough night for the Bucks, a, a huge positive was was his play. All right, before I call this quits and get to bed, I went at this podcast. I'll chuck it up for you guys, so it'll be there for you Saturday morning. And I'm going to get some rest because I'm tired. But Brook Lopez, Splash Mountain, in what had all the makings of a potential revenge game, 12 points in the first half. He was three for three from three. And anytime Brook Lopez is making the shots from the outside, I'm going to mention it because it has been a rough year for him. We know that. So again, on a night, as I've said, where the shots weren't falling, Brook Lopez being able to get to the outside and knock down some of those shots in the first half. Uh, was a real positive. He finished the night just four for five. And this might be something that I'll get into with Frank a little bit moving forward. We've spoken about the Bucks' ability to use Brook Lopez in the post and, and add that wrinkle into the offense. It's, it's really interesting to me on a night where the shot is going for him from the outside. He was able to get to the free throw line a couple of times, two for four from the free throw line. It's like, well, why can't the Bucks go to him a little bit more? But using Brook Lopez in the post with Giannis on the floor is really difficult. And I think it's something interesting to explore how they stagger those minutes moving forward and what they do with those two. Because, uh, you know, if you're using Lopez in the post, Giannis becomes a little bit of a non-factor. If you're going to, what, you're going to try and turn him into a catch-and-shoot guy from the outside, it's tough. So we'll see. We'll see what the Bucs look to do with that moving forward. Lopez ended up failing out of the game. Plays 29 minutes for his 13 points and five rebounds. But ultimately for the Bucs, they fall 
to 53 and 10. They finally lost their 10th game for the season on the 6th of March. But they will be back on Sunday to take on the Phoenix Suns. I'll be back on Sunday after they play the Phoenix Suns and then they have the Denver Nuggets on Monday. So a a difficult back-to-back coming up here for Milwaukee. We know they haven't lost back-to-back games all season. That was actually the the arena that had happened in last year against the Suns. So it's uh, it's funny the way the schedule works out sometimes. But the story of the night, no doubt about it, Giannis' knee goes down holding his knee. Uh, Had a bit of a limp after the game, but like I said, right from the top, We'll hold our breath and hope for some good news tomorrow because, again, the result, who cares? The Bucks lost a game. Big deal. There's some things we take away from that. Hopefully, I've helped you guys feel a little bit better after, after what was definitely a frustrating night. Frustrating game to watch. Difficult game to watch. But the good thing is the Bucks will be back on the court in two days, hopefully with Giannis. But we'll wait to hear uh, some news from the Bucks likely tomorrow. We're in the lead up to the game against Phoenix either way. But uh, thanks for joining me on this podcast. I had to get some things off my chest. Hopefully, it's been a good listen for you guys. As always, hit me up on Twitter at Cam Pittman or at Lockdown Bucks with any feedback on the podcast in general, any thoughts on tonight's game, anything you want to talk about, really. You can hit me up at any time. But for now, for myself, Kane Pittman, as you guys laughed at me saying last time. I'll catch you guys after the Phoenix Suns game.